Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, thanks a lot for hanging out. I do appreciate it. Uh, who has the coolest dog in Charlotte? Well, this year, I should say. This year. Because last year, somebody else had the coolest dog. And it may be yours this year if it wasn't last year. Uh, what am I talking about? I don't know. Mark Poppleman and uh, Charles Holler from the uh, local Kiwanis Club are here to help me sort it all out. Um, and if the names ring a bell, it's because, well, uh, Mark, you were with me last year. Charles, were you here with me last I year? You were, So you're new to the to the whole PR gig here around this contest. But Mark was here last year. Welcome back, Mark. Yeah, thank you, Pete. It's great to be here. And so Mark has now, uh, he has uh, shot like a firework all the way up to now the uh, president of the Kiwanis Club of Charlotte. I remember you back when you were just an event organizer. Now you're, <laughs> now you're in charge of the whole thing. So first off, um, and either one of you can uh, take this. What is the Kiwanis Club for people who don't know uh, – what does the Kiwanis Club do? What's your history? Whoever sure, wants to take it. I'll go ahead and take that. So Kiwanis is a global organization, and we have uh, branches all around the world. We're in over 50 countries, and we have about 8,000 clubs. So here in Charlotte, our mission is to help the children of the Charlotte area, one child and one community at a time. So anything that helps the kids, that's what the Kiwanis is about. And is that the Charlotte chapter mission, or is that the national well, it's really the mission of every Kiwanis organization, and it is, it's really the same mission, mm-hmm. right? We're changing the world ch- one child and one community at a time. Okay. Um, now, Charles, you were the former president, is that right? That's correct. So, the, so he's doing your old job, and you're doing his old job? Is that what and you're in charge of this event yeah, now? we're all volunteers. Very little <laughs> drama. But, yes, I, I, was, I was the president when we, we, we met remote for a while. We Teaching some folks how to use Zoom for me. Oh, but that was fun. Like that. that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, and how long? Did, how long were you the president? I was of the, the local? president for one year. We usually serve one year terms. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. So you don't mm-hmm. get burned out. Yeah. Um, and so you've got about you say uh, somewhere around fifty members of the Kiwanis Club in Charlotte. Is there an, Are there other Kiwanis? And I learned this last year. I think right. Y'all are called Kiwanians. That's correct. I got it right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so are there, uh, how many other like chapters are there around the Charlotte area? So in the general have? Charlotte area, we have about five clubs. Okay. So, but you know, when you get outside of the city, almost every town has their own Kiwanis club. Okay. Um, all right. So this event is called the coolest dog in Charlotte. And um, it, it's, it, if you remember last year and the way the contest uh, operated is very similar. It is. It's, it's almost exactly the same. So a little couple of things have changed, but that's mainly uh, what the brewery that's involved. So let's uh, where Pete. The first thing is you got to have a a dog, right? It's no cats, no other pets are allowed entry, right? This is just coolest dog, correct? Right. This year it's all about dogs. Okay. So maybe in the future we we may include cats or other pets. We've had some requests for that, but for yeah, this yeah. year it's. It's all about the dogs. Right. Because I don't know how you would go about uh, judging if it was purely like on uh, a non-monetary uh, basis because this is one of the things like the judging of these uh, these dogs. It's it's straight up. It's like something the old ward bosses would be proud to participate in. 
It's just basically buying votes. That's right. Right. Okay. That's so, right. Uh, so vote. Go to the website. Vote for the dog. And right. One dollar equals one vote. Okay. So you register your vote. It's te- or you register your dog. That's the first step. If you, first step, well, have a dog. Uh, second step, know about the contest. Third step, then go to the website. Uh, and I know you've got a specific website uh, called gogophotocontest.com, but you can also get there by going to charlotte-kiwanis.org. That's uh, correct. you got a link there as well. Uh, and then you register the dog, take a picture of your dog, write That's up correct. a couple words about it. Right. Okay, and then then what? You share it out with your friends and family, social media, that kind of thing? Yeah, so first you want to have a really cool photo of your dog. So you want to give that some thought because there are a lot of people that will be voting that don't have a dog. So you want you want to sell your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, not literally sell the dog. But, right, but, but right, have right. a good photo. Right, right, right. Um, something that will attract people. And you have about a paragraph of verbiage that you can talk about your dog. And so you want to do that, but all told, it takes maybe five or ten minutes to to upload your dog to the website. So, Charles, um, I'm curious, do costumes help? Do you know? Uh, Like, are there things that people can do with their dogs in these photos to give them a, to give them a leg up? Yeah, there's, there's no rules. Uh, There's a couple, uh, I think I saw a German shepherd named Sophie who had some pretty cool shades on. I think that's going to get some votes. Uh Uh-huh. But, but you mentioned you, first of all, have a dog. You can't participate without a dog. You can just vote. Right. You know, or you can, you can sponsor our event. We have some sponsors, Tyler Two Construction, the Suffolk Punch, WBT, Pete Callender Show. Queen City Canine. Queen City Canine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're, we're still, you know, soliciting for sponsors and things like that. But a lot of folks just, you know, want, they want to participate. They know the money goes to a good cause, so they'll vote on a dog. Right. Well, I voted for a dog. I mean, and I said from the very beginning, I was very upfront about all of this, is that my votes can be bought. I can be bribed. You just have to, you know, you make the donations, and I'm totally fine voting for whichever dog. Uh, you want me to vote? Pete, we have a gift for you over there. Is it so. money for uh, it, for bribes? It, okay, it could be. That's uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, so you got the event kickoff. It's tonight. I was at this one last year, um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, people bring their dogs. Obviously, it's going to be at Suffolk Punch Brewery. This is located in South End. It's at six thirty tonight. Um, and again, you mentioned Tyler Two Construction. Did they win? Did one of their people win last year? They, I'm they, trying to remember. They, they did. did. One yeah. of their project managers. Yes. And Tyler, too, they love animals. They they train service animals. So their titles are not project manager. I think his title is lead dog. Anyway, <laughs> so go. his dog, Waffles, is on the, That's uh, right. the label of the beer. So there you go. So I was going to get to this next then, which is what do you win? I mean, yes, you get the bragging rights. And uh, is there a sash involved? Do you get to, like, ride in parades? Like, what is the what, what's the award for the uh, – uh, for the coolest dog in Charlotte. Well, Suffolk Punch is going to brew a beer uh, to the winner's liking, whether it's a Pilsner or a Lager. Your dog will be on the uh, the beer. There's also some swag. We we uh, we do things in elementary schools, terrific kids and key clubs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's an art class that's going to design the bowls for the dog, a dog bowl, a water bowl, and it'll have your dog's name on it. It's a commemorative uh, bowl and all kinds of swag that all sponsors are giving away. And then oh. you can give the beer away to your friends with your, your dog's image on it. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's pretty neat mm-hmm. that you get the, I mean, you got the front of the can. This is Waffles Ale. This is the last year's winner, Waffles. Um, and then what's the, with the what's with the balsa wood plane there? Is it their so logo? So that was the logo for Pilot Brewing. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. that was their logo for the last year. Okay, so they did it last year. And then um, what if you come in second? 
Anyway. So, so if you come in second, you're also featured on the back side of the can. So you get a pretty big photo of, of your dog on the can there as mm-hmm. well. And 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 then the top ten also get a small little photo on the can itself. So really, ten dogs get to be featured on the can. So so if you if you enter the contest, you've got a chance at making the can. Right. So you may not you may not get the whole waffles ale. It may not be named after your dog with your dog's picture on the front of the can. You could actually, but you still could have your dog pictured on a can of beer, which not everybody can say that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. So how did, how successful were, uh, were you guys last year at this? So we were thrilled in our first year, we raised over $22,000, uh, for the community. And, and we then had a grant process where we reached out to nonprofits and inner city schools um, to write a proposal to us uh, about what they would do in the in this world of literacy. So we were thrilled. We had um, six really good applicants, and we awarded each of the organizations $3,500. And the organizations were, if I've um, got the list here, A Better World, Above and Beyond, Albemarle Road Elementary, Faith, Hope, and Love, Oakhurst Steam Academy, and Rama Road Elementary. Correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the things that we, we talked a little bit about this, and if you guys want to stick around, we can talk about it after the, the break, which is, uh, it's, I, I always say, if we want, I'm a limited government guy, if we want government to do less, we have to do more. And I view this as uh, uh, these the civic organizations and the work that you guys do as a key component of that, and it is what makes, it's like uh, the foundation of our society. And, and I'm not trying to, like, exaggerate the importance of, the Kiwanis or other groups like the uh, the Rotary Club, JCs, right? Um, who are the ones that wear the the Elks Club, right? Like all of these different civic groups. You guys are one of a long line. You've been your group's been around for like a hundred years, though, right? Uh, That's right. correct. Yeah, yeah. one hundred and five to be exact, yeah. right now. Yeah, and so uh, so if you want to stick around, we can talk a little bit about that and the role that these civic organizations play in the society. You want to? Uh, can you do that? Yes. All absolutely. right. All right. Cool. So, all right, Mark Poppelman from the uh, Kiwanis Club. He's the president, and Charles Holler from the Kiwanis as well. He is the vice president for the Coolest Dog Contest. Again, you can see the details and enter your dog at charlotte-kiwanis.org. All right. Hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon. On March 11th, to be exact, DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sports books with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live. And again, it goes live on March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 877-718-5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements. And see terms at draftkings.com slash sportsbook slash nc. We're talking dogs. We're talking beer. We're talking Kiwanis Club. It's the coolest dog in Charlotte contest. It is uh, opening up today. You can uh, you can search coolest dog Charlotte and you'll get a link there. Um, 
or you go to charlotte-kiwanis.org. In studio with me is Mark Poppelman. He is the president of the Kiwanis Club of Charlotte. Charles Holler is the vice president for the Coolest Dog Contest. Um, and we've gone over a lot of the details. Um, and we were talking off air, and I intend to go into this more in depth in a minute, but the um, the the role that civic organizations play in our society. And I'm not just saying this because you guys are here. I've, I've been a, a, a believer in this for a long time, ever since I kind of got exposed to Alexis de Tocqueville and uh, you know, his, uh, uh, his writings on this matter. Um, so for people who aren't aware of what Kiwanis, uh, or what Kiwanis club members, Kiwanians do, I still want to say Kiwanites, but, um, the, this organization has been around for a hundred plus years and people usually you want more people to join it, but people are always afraid like, Oh, I don't know what I'm getting into. And I'm going to be doing all of this work and I don't have time. That's always the stuff that I hear as the excuses why people don't get more involved in these types of organizations. So can you address any of those types of uh, uh, concerns that people yeah, have? Yeah, yes, Pete. I would. Um, I want to start by giving you just a little bit of background. Uh, when Kiwanis started in Detroit, Michigan, uh, it was the World War I time period, and it was a point in time when people realized they needed to give back, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, so when it grew, it grew really fast. And... Um, and people really did understand the, the power of giving back. And so each year we have a theme of sorts. So our theme this year is the power of one and fun. And, and you talk about becoming a member. Well, our organization, we have over 50 members and, and we're growing it uh, a lot this year. Um, but it is about the power of one. So every Kiwanis member decides what he wants, he or she wants to get involved in. It doesn't take a lot of time. You know, it's a couple hours a month. But the collective benefit of the group as a whole is extraordinary. Um, I, we counted it up, and over the last um, five years, we've given nearly a half a million dollars um, to the community as a whole. And that's pretty powerful. And uh, But again... It's conquer and divide. So we have two meetings per month. Um, we have speakers, interesting speakers from around the community. So it's very enjoyable to you learn something about the city. If you attend the meeting, you have a good lunch. And, and from there, it sort of goes, right? You may be involved in fundraising like Charles and I are here today, but you might really like to work with the children. Uh, our Terrific Kids program and Kiwanis Reads program, there's many ways that you can get involved, but you don't have to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. But the collective power of one adds to a much bigger overall impact that we can do as a whole. Do you have anything you want to throw your, as the former president of this uh, club here? Do you have anything to add to that? Well, I also co-chair membership, too. Oh. And then tomorrow morning we're going to a school and we're recognizing 60 terrific kids that uh, go above and beyond what they do. And the teacher recognizes them. And it it's uh, it's a powerful thing to see this kid hold a little certificate up and a gift card and from Chick-fil-A and a button and it's, he's bringing home, he or she's bringing home good news to their family, you know, yeah. and, and that's the difference Kiwanis makes in the lives of kids here. So the bumper stickers that I see that my kid's a terrific kid at whatever school or that's you guys. That's us. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, uh, what of the, uh, the trends for membership, right? Um, this is a problem in a lot of civic organizations all over the place that are dealing with this erosion of membership, people interested in, in uh, volunteering their time. And I always say, you know, if good, competent people don't volunteer their time. You're going to end up being governed by bad, incompetent people. 
Um, so what are the biggest uh, what are the biggest roadblocks? And, and is this something that you guys is see, are seeing uh, you know, across the organization, across the country? And why do you think that is? So I think service organizations as a whole, not just Kiwanis, right? right. They're all struggling with membership. And I think part of it is our society as a whole. People are busy. They feel like they don't have the time, right? Well, they have and to scroll. They, right. have to scroll. they have to scroll. They, they spend to three, four hours things. a day scrolling. They have no time. Exactly. And, and that's, that's the big um, misnomer, right? Because it doesn't have to be a lot of your individual time. A good Kiwanis member doesn't have to go to every single function, right? They attend meetings when they can. They get involved where they can. And in the process, so they're giving back to the community, but also they're making friendships Mm -hmm. throughout the community, getting exposed to different parts of the community. And so it's enhancing their overall leadership skills and style and making them a better citizen in the community. I agree. We recruit and folks come to our meetings, they enjoy the meeting and, and I say, you know, it doesn't cost a whole lot. It's a couple hours a week, all walks of life. We don't wear funny hats. You know, we, <laughs> that's what they, they think. You know, we have all this ritual. We're just, we're here to make Charlotte a better place. And uh, I say, you know, I just, I don't know if I can commit that much time. And uh, it doesn't take much time. A couple hours a week, uh, a couple hours a month. Mm-hmm. Some people travel for work, and that's fine, too. Uh, we, we have events throughout the year to, to serve and give back. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, the website is charlotte-kiwanis.org. It is the, uh, the coolest dog contest of Charlotte. Just do a search for coolest dog Charlotte and you will find it. Uh, Mark Poppelman and Charles Holler. Thanks so much for your time, guys. Thanks for the work that you're doing. And, uh, the contest is open. So, uh, registry. Oh, I just got an offer. Somebody is willing to rent me one of their dogs. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. All right. I don't know if I'm the, look, I, I don't need the dog. I, I will pay for, I will pay for votes for other people's dogs. That's fine. Uh, aren't you going to ask what kind of dog it is? Yeah, no, I know this guy, so I know his dogs. They're good dogs. I just, I, you know, I don't have a dog. We were living without pets for a while. It's pretty nice. So, um, but thanks again for your time. Appreciate it, guys. Good to see you. All right. Thank Thank you, you, Pete. Pete. We really appreciate it. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So, what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. At CarolinaReadiness.com, whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at ThePeteCalendarShow.com and on Twitter, at Pete Callender. Uh And uh, even if you don't ever interact with me over on the Twitter machine, you can see me kneecap a bunch of leftists on the regular. So it's that's fun. I just did one during the break. Anyway, along this uh, line of uh, civic organizations and the role that they play in American society, and I've talked about this before, I came across a piece by a fellow named Daniel Stidd. And he is the director of the Madison Initiative at the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. He oversees the foundation's eight-year, $150 million effort to support the values and institutions of U.S. democracy, especially Congress, in a time of polarization. Okay? 
Civil society, he says, can act directly to solve critical problems, but its indirect effect might be just as important. Allowing people at the individual level to participate, collaborate, and in that process, develop into citizens capable of upholding the democracy. In using uh, sociologist and political scientist Alexis de Tocqueville, right, using um, his words, it's and reading what he wrote about America, you know, 150 years ago, it's tempting for a lot of people to emphasize the affirmations that he offers, but gloss over the challenges that he presents to us. We need to reckon with the full sweep of his thinking about civil society, especially with what he saw as its essential, albeit indirect, but its essential role in fostering democratic citizenship. Like a lot of us will recall how our unique aptitude for forming uh, these civil or public associations, right? These were, they were at the time of de Tocqueville, they were precursors of today's nonprofit and voluntary organizations. It left a very deep impression on de Tocqueville. He was a Frenchman. He came to the U.S. in the 1830s, and uh, he wrote a piece, he wrote a book called Democracy in America about his observations. And in this book, he says Americans of all ages, conditions, and all dispositions constantly unite together uh, to found seminaries, build inns, construct churches, distribute books, dispatch missionaries. They establish hospitals, prisons, schools by the same method. If they wish to highlight a truth or develop an opinion by the encouragement of a great example, they form an association. Right? Everybody probably has heard some form of this observation over the years. Well, I take that back. If you're going to some schools, you probably have never heard of the name de Tocqueville. But he went on to describe two roles that he saw these associations playing in America at that time. First, it was to provide a means for solving collective problems. Among democratic nations, all citizens are independent and weak. They can achieve almost nothing by themselves and none of them could force his fellows to help him. Therefore, they sink into a state of impotence if they do not learn to help each other voluntarily. But by joining forces in an association, individuals could solve the collective action problem. Right? This is what our guests were just saying. That's what Kiwanis is doing. Like, If everybody does a little bit, you become greater than the individual greater than the sum of the individual parts, right? The first role is akin to the conception of nonprofits that prevails today, one that emphasizes the importance of their direct contributions or impact. But the second role that Tocqueville saw associations playing is less familiar. And I got to tell you, I did not recognize this either until I read this piece, which is there is um, there's a sense that we've lost sight of this, this role is uh, indirect. He says, drawing individuals out of their private concerns, where otherwise we would stay focused and striving. You, you just get so focused on the individual concern for you, your family, right? That, but joining civic organizations enables you to be part of something larger, larger than the circumstances of your own existence. And in doing this, People invariably have to rub elbows and learn to work with other people with different interests, different points of view. And in this way, 
people participating in associations become better collaborators, better leaders, better citizens. Look, I have run into this in my own personal life. People who uh, seem to get a lot of, you know, yay on Facebook. But then when you get them into the into the setting of collaborating to try to fix problems in the local community, they're not so great, right? Not so great. It's a skill that's got to be developed. And the only way you get to develop it is by doing it, by participating in, in these uh, uh, associations. The only way opinions and ideas can be renewed, hearts enlarged, and human minds developed is through there's the reciprocal influence of men upon each other. That's what Tocqueville said. To appreciate the importance that he placed on both the direct and indirect roles of associations, we got to remember that he had a lot of doubts about whether democracy could be sustained in America. Right? The country, for him, was at a uh, precarious uh, political point, this experiment uh, it was, you know, it was, it was teetering due to the, the, the volatile combination uh, of unprecedented equality, the lack of traditional mediating institutions. Tocqueville was afraid of a scenario in which a lot of Americans becoming increasingly isolated in their individual pursuits would give up any claims on being citizens who are concerned with the well-being of their fellow man in the public life that they shared. Does any of that sound familiar? Like for right now? He was concerned that people would instead submit to a paternalistic or a despotic central government that would rule over them as a shepherd would a, quote, flock of timid and hardworking animals. He believed that associations operating outside the sphere of government and economic life were essential safeguards against any incipient democratic decay and despotism. That's what I mean. Like I don't want to I don't want to exaggerate the importance of these organizations, but they're they're pretty dang important in protecting the democracy. There's a piece I'm reading here from or just parts of it actually. It's pretty lengthy. It's by Daniel Stid at the Stanford it's printed up at the Stanford Social Innovation Review. SSIR.org. Um, and he is the director of the Madison Initiative at the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. Um, and he's writing about Alexis de Tocqueville and uh, civil society and the foundations of democratic citizenship. And we hear an awful lot nowadays about uh, the democracy, right? And it seems like a lot of people just think that that means voting, that that's it. It means uh, turning out for early voting, which, by the way, is underway right now, uh, and, uh, and voting for politicians. Or maybe writing some letters or making some phone calls to politicians, right? Everything is oriented. This idea of the democracy is all oriented towards the government. And I always say if you want government to do less, then we need to do more. And that's what the role of, of civic organizations, churches, right? These, these local organizations, these are the things that they do. And the further away that we have drifted from these types of structures, the more we look to 
the national government to do this stuff. And that is to our great detriment. The democracy is actually propped up and built upon us doing the work at the local level, trying to address the needs of our community members, rather than offloading that responsibility to some other entity far away. Right? You, you see this uh, same sort of mentality develop in, um, in the argument over taxation, right? Oh, well, I don't need to donate any money because my taxpayers are doing it. I don't have to donate any of my time because there's some government agency that's doing it. It's the same sort of offloading of responsibility that we see anytime government starts competing with the nonprofit sector, with the private sector, whatever. So back to this fellow's piece, uh, he's talking about Alexis de Tocqueville being skeptical that government above the local township level could do really anything to solve problems. The national government, he said, was too far removed, and any action it would take would be uninformed and heavy-handed. State governments were too likely to be swayed by petty concerns and volatile majorities. Townships and voluntary associations were the means through which citizens who knew and trusted each other could solve problems. There was a line that um, uh, former Charlotte City Councilman used to say, which was, a pothole doesn't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, right? And he's talking about at the city level that when you go to uh, ask your local representative for help, you're, I mean, this is nuts and bolts kind of stuff. This is the thing that the local government should be doing, whether it's your HOA, it's a civic organization, it's the town council, whatever. This is one of my concerns when I see county commission have zero Republicans. It's not a party affiliation thing. It's a difference of opinion thing, different ideological perspective kind of thing. But more importantly, it is a stiff arming of half of your or a third of your citizens. You know, a third are Democrats, a third are Republicans, a third are unaffiliated. You're stiff arming a good portion of your citizens from being able to participate in solving problems at a local government level because they're not going to get appointments to boards and commissions and committees and stuff because they're not donating to the right party. The more government replaces associations, the more individuals will need government to help as they lose the idea of association. This is the endless, vicious circle of cause and effect. That's what Tocqueville said. The more government replaces associations, the more individuals will need government to help them. They lose the idea of, the, of associations, and it creates this vicious cycle of requiring more and more help from the government. In democratic countries, the knowledge of how to form associations is the mother of all knowledge since the success of all the others depends on it, he said. Also, and this is from the author here, Daniel Stid. Um, he said we need to reset the balance in how we think about and talk about the contributions of nonprofits, but also we have to stop assuming that if we can just scale up and replicate the right high-performing nonprofits, right, that this will fix all the problems and, and uh, maybe just feed enough money to the advocacy groups that are effective, 
that are that are working and they're doing the right stuff or whatever. Just give them more money. Give them, you know, a, a bigger footprint. And if we just do that, then we can solve all of the major multifaceted social problems. Stuff like, you know, public schooling, gun violence, climate change, all of these really large issues. These movements, in turn, will rely heavily on the indirect effect of nonprofits and voluntary associations to develop people willing and able to participate them, uh, or participate in them. Right? But it, here's the problem: you get so large like that, you've lost the very thing that made you effective in the first place. Right? You may be you may be addressing your primary issue that you were formed in order to address. Maybe you started a local civic organization to clean up a river, you know, like the Friends of the Catawba River or something. And then you were very successful at that and you got a lot of people on board. You got membership and people were helping. It was going great. And you're like, let's do more. And you just keep growing it and growing it and growing it and growing it. But now you've lost the thing that, that made you grow and made it so valuable, which was the people. And that, that association at that local level, people working together, knowing their neighbors, right? Now you've made, what, some national organization that looks at all the rivers. 